Hello, my name is Kayla. And my name is Jackie, and this is Season 2 of Living Two or More. A podcast where we interview people who are biracial and multiracial. Their stories are beautifully complex and unique. We were honored to receive them and so excited to share them with you. Thanks for listening and enjoy Living Two or More. Shannon is a writer and designer who is always exploring the layers of mixed identity. Born in Hawaii and raised in Southern California, Shannon has always felt connected to her roots as Kanaka, Native Hawaiian descent, and is committed to being a proud lifelong learner of her indigenous culture. In this episode, we will explore themes of claiming identity, anxiety of identity, permission to be, and culture and pride. Unfortunately, during the editing process, we lost half of Shannon's episode. We reached out to her and asked her to record a little bit of an intro for us. That is what you will hear first, followed by her interview with Jackie and I. Enjoy. Aloha kakou. O ku'u ipo ika he'e pu'e one kou inoa. Ua hanao vau ma o ahu aka no kawai no kou o hana. Hello to us all. My name is called My Sweetheart Surfing Over the Sand Dunes. I was born on Oahu but my family is from Kauai, but you can call me Shannon. Last year, I recorded the original episode about my experiences as a biracial person. And while I'm deeply grateful for that opportunity, because it was a milestone in opening up to talk more about it, at the time, I had no idea I was on the brink of a whole new chapter of growth in my identity journey. Throughout the last year, I've been grateful to have learned from many folks in my community, such as teachers, educators, practitioners, mentors, friends, family, and more, all blessing me with the gift of knowledge, the knowledge to root my purpose and intention, always asking myself what and whom I mean to impact and why, if I'm accrediting my learnings to the ones who gave me permission, and to listen more than I speak. Maybe that sounds a little deeper than you are expecting, but it's important that I state that as a foundation of my cultural growth, which will continue to be lifelong. So, what's new? Where do I start? As you'll hear in the interview, I referred to myself as part Hawaiian and hapahale. It's pretty obvious why. But as I've reflected on it, I would like to reject that and proudly give myself permission to say, I am Hawaiian. I am Kanaka O'ivi, Native Hawaiian. And what does it matter that I claim my identity that way, away from percentages? As you'll hear in the interview, I didn't really answer the question of why it matters to me to claim my identity as Hawaiian or Kanaka and what that means to me, why it's beautiful and challenging. And that's okay. I was still figuring it out at the time. But here's how I'm answering that question now. For one, I exist because of my ancestors who thrived off of their land, Hawaii. I am here because of their knowledge, their love, and their ability to survive through colonization, oppression, and hardship. So you see, as a biracial person, I'm not only partially proud of that, I'm fully identifying and celebrating every piece of my beautiful Hawaiian culture for it. And to all other Native Hawaiians out there, full, half, quarter, or whatever, if you're struggling with the same question of whether or not you're allowed to give yourself permission to own your own Hawaiian strength, 
I hope you'll listen to your na'al, feel and hear the aloha from our ancestors who passed it down to you, who are calling to you, to all of us, reminding us that we are here to band together, to accept one another, and to assure each other that we are Hawaiian enough, and to fight for what matters, our Hawaii. Because this also brings me to the next piece I want to correct, Hawaiian history. Perhaps you'll pick up on this in the episode too, but I was hesitant to call out the past as it really was, to call out the colonizers as they undoubtedly were. I was worried about rocking the boat, so I tried to stay diplomatic. But why? Who does that benefit? I am sorry that I wavered because I'm not doing our ancestors any justice by trying to be polite. I'd like to quote Kumuhina, a respected Kanaka activist, filmmaker, and teacher, briefly describing the initial impacts of Captain Cook's short visit to our home, where you can find on Instagram at Hawaiian Council. In reference to Captain Cook, Kumuhina says, this was a time when we should never forget the impact of the first foreigners that came. He did grace us with many things, but it wasn't grace. He left us with tuberculosis, syphilis, and gonorrhea, to name a few. And these STDs left such a great impact on our people, it not only killed many of our people, resulting in near-population collapse. Modest and more generous estimates place the population of Hawaii at the time of contact with Captain Cook between 800,000 and a million. And if our land could yield the amount of crops that could sustain the population, can you imagine what it would be like at the time of the coming of Christian missionaries by 1820 that the population was reduced to a mere 40,000? I encourage you to do your research on all of Hawaii's past so you can grasp why generational trauma is something we're still carrying today and why we're so vocal about reviving ancestral practices to help our communities thrive. Lastly, in the interview, I'm asked what moments made me feel whole. And I said that I didn't know that I had ever felt that, but that's not true. I have had those moments before. I just didn't know how to articulate it. I was wrapped up in my own insecurities, which clouded my ability to grasp how many countless moments I've had where I felt fully embraced. Moments like hugs from my grandma, laughing with family, still quiet moments where I could feel the aloha from my kūpuna, my ancestors, and plenty of other times like those. So before you go on to hear the original episode for yourself, I just want to make sure I stress how growth isn't always linear, how it's not just wise to challenge yourself and change direction when you realize something different, but that it's actually essential to better connecting to yourself and to your community. That intention of rigor as defined as the quality of being detailed and careful, is part of the journey to truly understand that. You deserve it. I deserve it. And even though I will continue to make mistakes, I'm committed to learning from them because it's not about me. It's about what we can do for each other in aloha. Mahalo. Okay. Thank you so much, first of all, for being a part of Living Two or More. We are really excited to chat with you, and um, I think this is going to be an amazing conversation today. And so I'd like to just start off the conversation um, asking you to describe your experience of living two or more racial identities. 
Yes. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on here to to share and talk about my experiences. I really appreciate it. I'm, I think this is such great work that you guys are doing. Um, that's a powerful question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like um, I'm trying to find a way to condense it into maybe a sentence or two. Oh, but we, have we all, can spend the whole time on this time. question. So. <laughs> We're ahead. good. We're coming off strong. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, my experiences living two or more have been um, beautiful and challenging. And I would also say ongoing that that's, I was thinking about this earlier as I was preparing for us to talk. And like, that was the theme that kept coming back up in my mind was just like, it's ongoing work and it's in um, like different phases, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's always changing the way like I, I feel about my experiences and the way I, I grow within them and heal from them um, and learn new things. It's just, it, it's a part of me, you know, obviously, um, but it's work also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And can you share with us what, what is your ethnic background? Yeah. So I identify as um, a, uh, part Hawaiian. So the there is a term that is commonly referred to in the community um, as hapa, and you, you probably have heard that. It's a pretty popular term, and there actually is a lot of um, uh, conversation about of how we use that term today. But I, I use that term for me because it is uh, rooted from a Hawaiian word. Hapa is a Hawaiian word. So I identify as part um, Hawaiian. And um, specifically, uh, hapa haoli, because hapa is the Hawaiian for, word for um, Hawaiian or part Hawaiian, and then haoli is the word for like white person. So it's it's a common term to use when you're in Hawaii to say that you are hapa haoli. Um, my mom was born and raised in Hawaii, and um, her whole maternal line is from Hawaii, have, have been rooted there forever. So, and when I say that, I mean native Hawaiian, because I know there is a, a bit of a misunderstanding for some people about what it means uh, when you say that you are Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. So when I say that, I mean, I identify as, as partly native Hawaiian. And so can, just to clarify, because I feel like I'll learn so much from you. Um, so like mm-hmm. Native Hawaiian being like, there are indigenous roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like, like somebody who um, like was a member of like a colonizing family or something like that, correct? Yeah, exactly. It's indigenous roots. So when we, uh, when I say Native Hawaiian, specifically in like the um, archipelago of Hawaii, all the different islands um, that's considered or what I consider Native Hawaiian. And there's a whole, you know, like background and history to like even where Hawaii came from. And that stretches mm-hmm. all the way back to um, oceanic Austronesian roots. And, and that's a whole thing too. Uh, but because actually Hawaii is considered as one of the youngest cultures within like the oceanic um, bigger Austronesian cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when I refer to that, yeah, I mean, exactly ind- indigenous to the region or the islands of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm actually really curious to hear you say more about just Hawaii's history, because I think, you know, people, they kind of know the dark Mm -hmm. history, 
but they may not really have taken the time to look into the history. Do you want to share? Is there anything you want to share about that that feels important to share? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> there is so much to say about that. I feel like the the way that I would explain it is that, um, you, you know, Hawaii is ancient. Like there are ancient roots within the uh, indigenous culture of Hawaii. And um, they, they practice their traditional Hawaiian practices for um, a very long time. And then uh, when missionaries started traveling, or actually before that, I should go back to Captain Cook. So uh, Captain Cook was a, um, a, a traveler, I guess we could say, and he was going around and, uh, you know, I, the, the best way I'll put it is that he was um, coming across different places, different uh, cultures. Um, and at one point he made his way to Hawaii and uh, when he got to Hawaii, uh, he was sharing his experiences with the rest of the world um, and, went, and with England and um, uh, starting some trades and opening up stuff like that. And um, after that, there were missionaries who came over to Hawaii to, uh, you know, experience some of this, some of these um uh, the communities that Captain Cook had talked about. Um, and when they came over, there is, they were there for quite a while. They embedded a lot of Western culture within Hawaii. So um, there were, I will say there were some things that came away from the missionaries visiting uh, that did, uh, I would say, contribute to, to some things that Hawaiians were already looking to do, which is, um, uh, really expand their capabilities and what they could do in Hawaii because Hawaiians are very, uh, we're explorers. Like you, you would read that in any of like the material about uh, voyaging across the ocean. So they're very uh, curious, a uh, very curious mm -hmm. people. So when missionaries came over and brought some of their uh, tools from, um, you know, from the West, um, Hawaiians were taking those and elevating them for things like literacy, for example, uh, Hawaiians are very proud of the fact that when they had a littering, a lettering system that came from the missionaries, it was very important to Hawaiians to be like, this is great. This is cool that we can do this and we're going to share it with everybody. And so mm -hmm. they made sure that everybody was literate and they could read and they could write. And I, I think the statistic is close to like 100%. Um, Hawaii was one nation that reached all, nearly 100% of literacy within the community. Um, so there were impacts um, of the uh, the Western visit uh, that did contribute to things like that. But they were also very, um, very painful, traumatic experiences that came with the missionaries who were visiting Hawaii. Um, there were diseases that were brought over. Um, and, and you'll read there's a book called Hawaii that's a really in-depth kind of account about all of those visits. Uh, so unfortunately, there was a, a large amount of people who were taken out by disease. Um, that was one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest uh, traumas that came from that. And then there's ge generational trauma that has stemmed from the missionary visit in, mm -hmm. in lots of different ways. Um, but over the years, like there were um, different kinds of uh, religious, laws um, that were um, impacting the communities 
so like at one point, like even traditional practices like hula were banned. Um, speaking mm-hmm. Hawaiian in the school systems was not allowed. And so stuff like that, like really got embedded into the people in the community. Um, and for a while, I think it was um, even there was a study like in the 70s that said that like Hawaiian or olalo is the actual term for Hawaiian language um, was a uh, endangered language. Um, now, luckily, we have a lot of people who are restoring it and who have been restoring it because there were always people there who were still trying to uh, preserve Hawaiian culture and language. Um, but today we're seeing like a significant resurgence coming out of that. So it's it's a really complicated history, I would say. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's interesting, like what like you know a lot about the history and what is or why or did you spend a lot of time like learning it or where did that kind of passion come from to like really know yeah yeah so I will say that um Hawaiians are very proud of our culture the good and the bad and just being able to connect with the community uh and with the our elders and having this kind of history helps to uh feel more proud about our culture but I will also say that I, I think by wanting to prove to myself um, that I could claim and give myself permission to be Hawaiian, I made it a point to really understand more or try to understand because I'm always learning every day, uh, but trying to be involved with the the history of Hawaii and um, having these uh, conversations with other Hawaiian people, with my family members. I felt like I wanted to not just claim the commercial parts of Hawaii that everybody loves, right? Because like, you can go around and say that you're from Hawaii and everybody's like, oh, that you know, of course, I love Hawaii. It's so beautiful. It's paradise and all of that. And that's great. And that's something to be proud of. But like, it can't just be the beautiful parts of it. Like you need to embrace all of it and and have a, a level of education, or at least I felt like I needed to, in order to feel like I could fully say like I identify as Hawaiian and what that means to me is having a uh, a good understanding of Hawaii holistically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so so you're talking you're starting to mention a little bit like this idea of like being able to claim your identity as Hawaiian and and what that means to you can you talk a little bit about that experience and that journey for you I know you mentioned at the beginning that it's ongoing it's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's challenging. So there's yeah. a lot of complexity here. So just kind of curious, yeah, what you would share with us about that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, complex is a good way to put it. <laughs> so, um, my mom, so my mom has uh, six brothers and sisters and they were born and raised in Hawaii and that's their home. That's, that's where they know. And like I mentioned, like all of her um, maternal line came from Hawaii and was rooted there, but also her dad. Uh, so my papa, um, who was white, he, he's passed, but he actually grew up in Hawaii too. So when he was a little kid, he, his family went over to, um, to Hawaii and he grew up there. That's, and there's a whole story about like how he met my grandma. It's a, a whole thing. It's really cute. Um, but even though well, he's, uh, tell. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what it is. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny because, um, <laughs> 
<laughs> my papa is like this little white kid from Texas. And so when he moved to Hawaii, like I, I don't think there were a lot of white kids in that area. So when he saw my grandma, like when they were kids, I guess he like had a huge crush on her. And so he was telling her like, I'm going to marry you one day. And she was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and it was like a small community. So they had built a friendship. They knew each other like their whole lives. And of course, mm-hmm. like she friend zoned him so hard, but still he's <laughs> just like yeah. getting to know her and like they, you know, they fell in love and, um, yeah. and they ended up going into the military together and they were able oh, to wow. travel all over the world together. Um, but he, because they, he has this connection to Hawaii, his family has that connection and that he, you know, his whole life was there. Um, even though he obviously is not native Hawaiian, like he had that deep connection to Hawaii. So mm-hmm. for my mom and her siblings to grow up in Hawaii, obviously with like my uh, grandma's family lineage and culture, that's what roots them in, in identifying as Hawaiian. But because my papa was like very embedded into the Hawaiian community, like f- all of their lives was about Hawaii and being Hawaiian, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's all they knew. And they started to, a couple of the siblings started to move around. So my mom moved around, um, my dad, um, they, they started to have us kids in Hawaii. So I was born there. And then I think we moved over to San Diego when I was like a kid, like six or seven years old. And for my mom, it's a culture shock, right? Cause like now she's not living in Hawaii. That's her home. That's her whole life. And, um, when she was raising us in San Diego, it was really important to her that we were getting an experience as close to her as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I I mean, I am thankful because I was on the West Coast. So I was able to visit family like on the summers um, and still physically be able to have those experiences in Hawaii. Uh, But she also gave us other um, culturally rooted experiences. I I grew up dancing hula all my life. Um, Hula is a huge part of my mom's life. And so she passed that down to us, uh, we were, my siblings and I were raised in a Pacific Islander community. We had a bunch of connections to Hawaii, right? So mm-hmm. I give all that background and that context because it helps to kind of bring color to how I grew up and and how I identified everywhere at home, outside of home, at school with my friends. Um, that's how I identified because it was a, a part of me. But the reality is that I know that I present to the world differently than how Mm -hmm. I feel. Um, Mm -hmm. And once you start getting also into this um, experience or this notion of blood quantum, that that's a whole thing too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when you percentage wise, my blood quantum comes out to like 25%, right? So it's a quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am a full person and I, and I am fully proud of being Hawaiian and it's all of my life. So it was really difficult when I would go out into um, experiences. I would have exchanges with people who weren't part of my safety circle in -hmm. San Diego or in Hawaii who understand who I am and have all that context. So being so culturally proud, I would like do hula at school. Um, uh, I would, or at church and I would um, talk a lot about Hawaii because we were talking about it a lot at home. And then the, the reaction, what I was getting from other people was just confusion. And they yeah. would just be like, I don't understand why you keep talking about these things. And I would share like, well, no, like I am Hoyne. That's, uh, that's what I would say. And they would say like, no, you're not. And I would be so confused. Mm. Cause I'd be mm-hmm. like, 
I don't understand how like you can tell me that I'm not and they'd Mm -hmm. say well you don't look like that which is a Mm -hmm. a whole other thing right because that discussion about what that looks like is is a a whole thing um but I was hearing those uh reactions that feedback from the world as young as like you know, six or seven, all my life, I've been hearing that. And especially as a kid, because kids, you know, are a little confused. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I really struggled with that because I started to receive, like I said, this feedback from the world that I had to look a certain way. And mm-hmm. that was going to be the only way that I was allowed to have this permission to claim being Hawaiian and being proud of it. Um, and then also 25%, that's the blood quantum thing is also a struggle too, because some people uh, believe that you are more than one thing on, on paper. And obviously that's not how it works in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I was really struggling with this uh, identity outside of my home and my communities, because the way that I feel was totally different than the world was allowing me to feel. And mm-hmm. so I've been carrying that around all my life. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you really got the message that like you couldn't be who you said you were. Like people mm-hmm. weren't allowing you to be who you said yeah. you were and not only who you said you were but also how you felt and what your like home heritage and culture was and your roots. Yeah, I imagine that would yeah. be very painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was con- confusing, right? As a kid, I'd yeah. be confused about it and then as an adult, I've just I noticed that it was starting to um, these insecurities that I was developing because of the message I was hearing was starting to develop and show in uh, other ways uh, in my life. So, so like earlier, I was saying that I would do a little bit, um, I do a little bit more than like maybe I really needed to, um, or what you know would be considered you know something that I had to do. So I like I was joining all of the Pacific Islander groups. Um, anywhere I could, which is good. And I'm glad that I did it, but I know that mm-hmm. it started out of a place of me being like, I need to prove myself because, you know, maybe if I know enough and maybe if I do enough, I will actually be, um, it, it'll give me enough like credit, uh, honestly. Mm-hmm. And of course my passion was always there, but like, but honestly it did stem from that. Like how, what can I do in order for people to accept me as I mm-hmm. feel? Um, and, um, obviously it benefited for me because I was able to learn a lot more and identify and connect in much stronger ways. But that's part of that like confliction that has been really difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like as a young kid, I feel like if someone was telling me that I wasn't something, I would end up hiding it because like kids can be mean or kids can be judgmental and not know it. Did you feel like then that you had to not be a proud Hawaiian, like, because people were telling you you weren't? Uh, so that's a really good question. But I, I know I had moments like that where I, I was asking myself those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I actually, it, it's kind of interesting when I think about it, because I, I do wonder, like, shouldn't I, shouldn't that have deterred me actually mm-hmm. from doing anything? Like it, it would have been easier to just like say, like, or not easier, but it would have, I would have understood if I was to say to myself, like, let's just let it go. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a lot, it's, it's draining. Like it takes a lot of energy to try to, um, to try to prove something to myself, but no. And I think the reason why is because there, there just is something 
so powerful in my family when we talk about our pride about being Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. It's so strong mm-hmm. um, and it's such a uh, integral like part of our lives that I think it was just so undeniable. Like I, mm-hmm. I felt like I just, I couldn't, I no, I, I felt like I had to relate to it in some point, even though it was like I was going to have to <laughs> prove myself every mm-hmm. single time for like the rest of my life. Uh, and I can't obviously like share experiences or tell the stories of my family better family members and my cousins. Uh, but I know that some of them have uh, had uh, similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, go ahead, Kayla. No, I just want to say that like, Thank you for talking about something that I think is really hard to talk about. And that's just like being enough, like feeling it, but like not, I just, I, I, I also sometimes feel that way too. And so I think it's just like a really important conversation to be like, to talk about. And I, I I thank you for bringing it up because like, it's real. It's like, because of this amount that we are, whatever percentage of it's like we have to think that we have to prove or I don't know it's so difficult but yeah yeah and you know up here in the Pacific Northwest has been I'm in Seattle and it's been a really interesting experience because I've moved around um, the country a few times in different places uh, which is actually when I started to notice that I was having these anxieties in different ways uh, because I had my safe communities or circles in San Diego. So people accepted me as who I am. But in any other place, it's not like I at the end of the day, I could just go back to like my um, hello, which is like a hula group, go there and be like, you know, like, I'm just glad to be here and end my day like that, right? And be accepted. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have that. So Mm -hmm. I had to I had to find other ways to, to start working through all of this. Um, but it, up here in Seattle, there is a large Pacific Islander community and there are native Hawaiians here. Um, and I, from a couple of the people that I have met up here who also identify as part native Hawaiian, I've had some conversations with some people who, um, didn't have, like, I, like I admit that I have a lot of privilege, but one of my privileges is that I did have the culture in my home growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I met someone up here who is part Hawaiian who, who didn't have that. And we are actually the same percentage. And it's just so interesting because everybody can look different ways. Right. So mm-hmm. we have a similar mix, but this other person is going to be considered um, Hawaiian to the world or they present that way to the world. And it's, it's so interesting how different like our lives were and how we dealt with that in different ways because I had this connection. I was like so proud of it, but I had to prove myself. This person didn't have that connection, but to the world, like they were expected to. Hmm. And I know that was a source of pain for them. And so I, you know, I have to remember that it's like, it's a difficult thing for anybody in just in different ways. Yeah. yeah, it is so powerful to hear you talk about identity that way, because just to make that really distinct and clear kind of how different it can be, even though like the blood says one thing, it's yeah. like the world tells us all kinds of other things. And, right. you know, you're really speaking to the role of like trauma, how like planting a seed like that of like not enough of a thing can really like radiate and affect so much in our life that, you know, has something to do with identity and may not have anything to do with identity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That just perpetuates anxiety. Um, I just, it's 
my experience is my father was adopted um, from Korea uh, to a white family in Canby, Oregon, all white community. And so similarly, I present as one way to the world, but don't have any cultural ties from the home and there's pain, right, for mm-hmm. me in that too. So, um, yeah, to hear you talk about those in, in such different, in uh, like two different experiences, but mm-hmm. so impactful, both of them, um, I think is so powerful for people to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. I I feel like that's something I didn't realize until I, I moved up here. Um, and um, it, which I'm glad because I, I think we need to be able to all talk about these things openly so that we can validate each other and say, like, you know, I understand that you have been struggling the way you struggle, even though I can't relate to that. And like, we should just be here to support each other in whatever way that should be, because I, like and I'll be honest, like I was really struggling with that in the beginning like, I'm like, how honest do I want to be? I, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a struggle because I felt jealous. I felt jealous that there were other people who had like a similar um, mix as me who looked a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and also like a little confused because they didn't have like the cultural experience that I did. So it's like, oh, I would feel like, oh man, like if I, if I was presenting to the world, like maybe I'd be whole because if mm-hmm. I could combine like this way that I feel in the knowledge and the background, the culture that I have, but then look a certain way, like obviously that's not how it works, but I would think to myself, like, I just wish I could have that. But I didn't think about what these this other person was experiencing or what the reality of that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I really was just like in my own mind, which goes to speak to like how um how deep like all of this is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. It's super, super deep and and it actually has been a huge part of my life. And that's why I'm really glad I'm able to talk openly about it. And I'm glad that you have this work because this is exactly the kind of thing I think more of us need to talk about. Um, because I can't truly heal from any of it until I realize these things and start working through it. I ha- mm-hmm. I found a therapist up here in Seattle who is great. Um, she actually specializes in like cultural uh, identity and struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been working together for like a few years. And I'm, I'm so glad because it's something that I knew I needed, but I didn't realize how bad I needed it until we started working mm-hmm. together. And that's also, I'm lucky that I had that because I've been going to therapy for 15 years and um, it's so hard to find someone who can mm-hmm. relate to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in ways like these, I actually had one experience with a therapist in the LA area who taught, she like stopped me when I was talking and she's just like, I'm sorry. I just have to say like, I don't understand what what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, because I would talk about yeah there I would I was talking about like you know the ex expectations I was putting on myself and and she's like I have to stop you because like I don't understand what your obsession she called it your obsession Mm. is with like your with this um Hawaiian community or culture and hula and your hair and like all your um the way that you're physically presenting I don't understand that what is that about like why are you being such a big deal out of it? And I was like, oh, wow, no. you're going to condense okay, my entire all, journey like... to one sentence. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what therapist does that? Like, what I know. Ther- who, like I know. that is wild. 
It was, okay, and we well. had been working together for a while. Yeah. Oof. Um, otherwise like other therapists, I would get blank stares cause they, they don't really know what to right. say either. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I found someone by accident in Texas who, who has like similar experiences and who could relate to me that like I could actually start doing the work. And it was such mm-hmm. a great feeling. Cause I wasn't, I didn't know how to look for that. Like, how do you look for someone who can help you with that. So it was just by luck that I found this person. And when I, when I moved, I couldn't work with her anymore. But now I knew that like, depending on where you are, cause it's not accessible to everybody. Um, you can specifically search for like mental health practitioners who specialize in, in different things and, and, you know, culture and identity is one of them. And I just got really lucky to find mm-hmm. this person up here. So we, we've been working together a while and all of these things. And she challenges me to, to think about these things that are outside of myself. And, and that's when finally I'm starting to like, um, you know, like take a crack at it and really do like the, the deep work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I work in that, in that world. I'm a practitioner not a therapist and don't plan to be, but um, I think that is, so inspiring to know that there are people out there specifically doing that work. And I also can imagine that, that there would be more of that needed, right. Mm -hmm. As um, there is so much displacement that we will continue to see, right. As a result of the climate crisis and everything going on all around the world. So um, that's really encouraging to know that there, there's support out there for folks who who struggle with these things because it really, it is so impactful. It really Mm -hmm. is so impactful. Um, you mentioned, I would love to, I would love to, cause you mentioned this idea of like, um, when you feel whole or Mm -hmm. feeling whole. And I'm curious when those moments are for you. Um, yeah. When are those moments when you, when you do feel wholly connected to, your Hawaiian culture and feel fully Hawaiian? Uh, I think the honest answer is what, if I feel moments where I'm acknowledging like, yes, this feels totally full and whole. It's, it's a little short lived because I feel like on either, either side, I'm still struggling with something. Mm -hmm. So I, I, like my instinct is to say when I'm with family, which is true when I'm in Hawaii mm-hmm. and when I, when I'm with family, because that's where I feel the most comfortable. But of course, like I'll take a look around and be like, I don't, I, I, there's still something on the other side that I'm struggling with mm-hmm. that I, I don't, you know, like, Oh, so here's <laughs> the funny thing. My, my husband, He's mixed. He's a Filipino and Middle Eastern. And he also has family who grew up in Hawaii. So we have that connection and we visit Hawaii together often. But he presents, you know, ambiguous to the world, I would say. So like when we go to Hawaii, it's just so funny because every time we laugh about how like, how long is it going to be until like someone who works at the car rental or wherever is like they come up to me and they're like, hello ma'am how are you is this your first time to Hawaii like (laughs) (laughs) they're like we're like we're really excited oh my gosh no please tell us I want to tell your story (laughs) so so you were asking me which island am I from I was born on Oahu but we identify with um or my mom grew up in Kauai, so I connect with Kauai. So um, like I had said earlier, 
it was important to my mom that we get as many experiences that are as close to what she had as we could from the West Coast. So aside from like hula and everything, like one thing that was really important to her was we all spend one year going to school in Hawaii. And uh, I'm the second oldest. So my older sister, Pohai, she was the first one to go to Kauai um, in the same area where like my mom grew up. And uh, of course, like we're all teenagers at that point. We're at the, we're like 16 ish. So when my older sister went like, yeah, it was a little tough at first. Cause like she was homesick, but uh, she spent the year there. She had like an incredible time and she had, you know, all this, like a fulfilling experience it was great for her. When it was my turn, like I was just really struggling with it in a different way because I definitely got homesick. I was a teenager. Um, I had had a boyfriend. I'm not going to lie. So like, obviously that was hard for me when I, <laughs> when I was in Kauai, cause I was just like, so annoyed that my mom would send me away. Like when I had a boyfriend back then <laughs> when I didn't have like a cell phone or I could text him all the time. So I had already from the jump kind of a bad attitude about going. Um, and my little, my youngest sister had just been born. So we have like 15 years in between us. So it just, the timing was different for me than it was for my older sister. So when I went to Kauai, I was struggling. Like I was really struggling, especially cause like we're talking about a, a small community on the West side of Kauai and Kekaha. So at the local high school, that was where, um, a lot of these insecurities are coming up, right? Because it's like, I know how I feel. I know how I identify. But now I'm here with all the local kids. And, you know, like, they're teasing me because I, you know, I'm so howly and stuff. And it was a lot. <laughs> it was it was a lot to take in for my age. But it was just kind of funny because I would tell them who my grandma is because everybody knows everybody. And then they and they would just they're like, oh, OK, like, you know, don't tell on us. Like, we're not trying to get in trouble or anything. <laughs> but because of all of that struggle, I didn't end up making it the whole year. And that was that was like, I just that's the thing I regret the most. I let that get in my way. And I was whining all the time, like to my mom, my uncle, my grandma. And I they got tired of it. So they were yeah. like, OK, fine, like, go home if you don't want to be here. And it's not that I didn't want to be there, but I, I just didn't know how to work through all of that that I was dealing with. And, um, and of course, like, I understand why they let me come home because they were tired of me bitching. And I, and I totally get that. But I have spent so much time since then, since I was like 15, just in this deep regret of like, mm. I wish that they didn't let me come home because I would have eventually gotten over that hump. Like eventually mm -hmm. I, I would have gotten over it, you know, my, not that my sister didn't struggle. I'm sure she did, but we obviously just um, dealt with it in different ways. And I've been so upset with myself about like mm. why, you know, as someone who claims to have all this like love and pride for Hawaii, like what, like, why do we do that? And of course, like I said, there's a lot of reasons for it, but I, I think that was a part of like what I've been trying to make up for for so long. Mm -hmm. And I've had those conversations with my mom, my uncle, my grandma, like so many times. And um, it's not like a point of contention for us. Like they understand why. And I've apologized so many times and they're, it's not like they're looking for an apology, but they, you know, they keep telling me like, let it go. You got to let it go. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I've, and I'm much better about it now, but um, <laughs> it is just, it's something that really stuck around with me for a long time because it's like, 
I just was ha- having a really hard time trying to um, trying to be cut out for it, I guess. And I, I feel like that's been a part of everything that I've been dealing with lately. But I did actually end up making some friends while I was there that mm-hmm. um, I, I'm still friends with today. And, and I'm working on giving myself like some self-compassion and some self-grace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we like, we do what we have to, to protect ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm in a better place with it now, but it was something that I thought of when I was um, talking about uh, Kauai because that was the, the, mm. I was so lucky to have that experience. Thank you for listening to Living Two or More. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Two or More. If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at livingtourmorepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks.